Good day, everyone, and welcome. This is Like Trees Walking. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge, the Reverend. I was pausing a little bit because we a big change, big change here at uh, uh, to one Like Trees Walking Tower, where we do the, the studio in which we do this, uh, is that we switch microphones. So we want your feedback. Am I sounding different? How does Do this I sound, sound richer? Do I sound thinner and reedier? <laughs> Which like, is it? More like or is me. there zero change to you, the listening audience? Uh, so give you know, hit us up on the socials, yeah. dudes, and let us know, and just mash that like button. Okay, all right, Dave, how are you? Thank you for that, Mike. I'm great. I'm really great. Uh, I'm excited. It's a new year. I said that on. We recorded two episodes, and actually the episode that's coming up next, we recorded before this one. It's still a new year to it's, us. Oh, yeah, it is still a new year, but yeah. I go like, Happy New Year, everyone, on that one. And this will all, it's all Happy New Year. You'll be hearing that one in late January. Hope This one you'll be hearing in early January. It's a new year. It's time to turn over a new leaf. Uh, Mike, do you have any resolutions for uh, the new year? I resolve to make every episode of Like Trees Walking the best episode <laughs> that I can possibly make it. It's just, they're only all, you just listen to each one. It's like, there's no favorite episodes because it's just the most recent one that came out. Yeah, that's that, the dodge that, uh, you know, when you go to a restaurant, this drives my wife insane when you ask the waiter. Because she's one of those people who, she likes to have the whole experience. Like, hey, what's, what's good here? What do you like? And you know what's coming, what she well, hates. I, I like everything. I like it all. It's all good. Like, that's not what she's asking. She's like, oh, take me through... Well, if you, you know, if you like fish, you'll like, you know, come on, describe this. Give me some show. Give me some sizzle. So she just hates that when they say, I like everything. That's lame. I resolve to like everything. (laughs) This 2019. Uh, Well, this is a show where we talk about big, important things of life. And this show will be no exception. This is huge. At all. This is a big thing. And it's very, very fitting because this is the new year. And um, let me guess, you've made maybe some of you have made new, you know, you've made some 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 spiritual faith related uh, religious practice related resolutions. We want to help you with those. Yeah. Because we know those aren't easy. We uh, we're, we can't really help you with your you're not you're going to eat a lot less beef or, you know, you're going to switch to a grain based diet. We don't have any we, we have nothing <laughs> for you in that regards. But in another regard. Pastor's got a lot to say. Take it away, Pastor Dave. I will. So I think that a a, a common resolution might be, uh, hey, I'm going to read, um, you know, I'm going to start reading the Bible, or I'm going to read the Bible. Even if you're not a religious person, you go, okay, I'm interested, or like, this is uh, something a, you know, a cultured person uh, should do. So I'm going to endeavor to read through the Bible, and you know what? I'm not going to start, uh, maybe you've tried before, you go, I'm not starting in the Old Testament. I mean... You know, I get, I make it like all the way to Deuteronomy and then, or, you know, uh, Leviticus. I get to Leviticus and then I just start falling off. Or you get to, probably a more realistic one is I get to the, I get to Exodus and, uh, and they start talking about how to construct the tabernacle and, you know, how many cubits this and filigrees that. And I just, I can't. Yeah. And you've got it at the, at the side of your bed. And that's <laughs> so you'll just immediately go to sleep. Yeah. So, so you just go, I'm going to. I'm gonna start with the new. I'm starting in the new. Like, let's go. Let's get like let's get straight to JC. You know, uh, let's get skip to the good stuff. Not that I don't. The old stuff is great too, but just you know, thinking like a real person, keeping it real here. 
So they do this. They, they resolve it. They go, and you open it up. You open your New Testament, and you go, what's the first book in the New Testament? It's, it's Matthew. Yeah. Matthew, you know, Matthew got, starts with a bang, right? Matthew starts off with a bang. So you go, all right, listen, I'm starting with Matthew. I'm going I'm to... Christ, I mean, he is, and I'm, you know just an amazing figure. No matter what I think about him, I'm just going to start reading about him. I'm going to read Matthew's version of his story. Keep an open mind. And Matthew starts this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Rohab, Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Saul. Okay, I think. And if you were yeah. if you were reading this in the uh, in the King James version, it would be you know, and Solomon begat Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begat Abijah, and Abijah begat Asaph, and Asaph begat Jehoshaphat. I mean, you get a lot of begats. What's going on here? I'm out already. <laughs> so if, already. I'm this, if I'm our theoretical person, I'm out. I'm, there's a Grisham novel right <laughs> next to it. It's already open. And that gets you, you know, that gets you through the first, uh, I mean, really the first 17 verses before you get to the Christmas story. You, you have, you've lost me with your genealogy. Yeah. And so I'm here to say that, oh, folks, there is a rich, rich trove of gospel, you know, great material right there even in the genealogy itself. How can this be? This was a boring list of words I can't pronounce. <laughs> you better have a good answer for this, Pastor. Oh, oh my God. There's so, there's, so, there's, so, there's so much going on. I mean, we, 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 I'll just wet your whistle, but just to let you know. So, I mean, first of all, this is a really interesting way for Matthew to begin by saying the book of the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and you go, oh, yeah, genealogy, boring. No, well, when, uh, when, when you know the Greek, uh, you know that he is saying that this is actually the book of uh, it's it's language that would uh, would sort of pique any Greek reader who was familiar with the Bible's ear. It's the book of the Genesis of Jesus Christ, and so already Matthew is cluing us off that this is this is a new Genesis that's taking place. And so as the Genesis story begins with you know the creations, uh, the creation of, of the, the the heavens and the earth, uh, Matthew is tipping off that this is kind of a new creation story um, that that God is is doing something new here, um, and He's doing something new uh, through this person. And so you go, okay, well. That gets you through verse one. <laughs> now, how about verses uh, two, uh, two through sixteen? And so, um, I'll just skip to something that happens at the end, where it says, "And there was fourteen generations from this, you know, from Abraham uh, to uh, to David was fourteen, and then from David uh, to uh, the exile was fourteen, and then from uh, uh, from um, uh, the exile to Jesus that was that was fourteen generations." And so, we're already getting a a a theological claim uh, that history itself has a structure, and this is one of the um, you know most I think. Central and uh, also like countercultural or counter-materialist claims, right? Because if you're just a materialist, you don't believe in anything. History, I mean, it's a, a what has happened, or it's and you know kind of a narrative that we impose on past events. But it's not like it's going anywhere. Um, I think a few of us are like true, you know, like well, it's all just meaningless and things are happening and it's all going nowhere. But this very notion of progress, which I think is really attractive. Um, to people. You find it everywhere. 
uh, in the culture. I mean, uh, you know, you're on the wrong side of history, right? That implies yeah. that that history progresses somewhere, or we've, you know, it's twenty, it's 2019, Mike, like implying that we've progressed from where we right. where we were in 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 the past. And I mean, as Paul McCartney saying, you got to admit it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. It can't get no worse. Yeah, I mean, you slide open your iPhone and you immediately know I'm way better than some guy, you know, before me, even by 10 years. Exactly. Mr. Flip Phone. Like, let me get my razor out. Yeah, look, Zach Morris, look what I can do with my <laughs> phone. Yeah, so you immediately know we're always getting we're always getting better. Zach Morris was a moral degenerate, by the way. There's no there's no arguing that he got away with a lot of horrible things. I didn't uh, wasn't a fan. So we we can go into that in a later department, like when he secretly like made a calendar of like the girls at his school, like who were on the swim. I mean, it's just like that's just did he really? Oh yeah, that's it. Like. Top, uh, once top again, it's creep. improved. That wouldn't wash today, Zach Morris. Nope. So, so see, constant improvement. <laughs> we're always we're in every way, every day, in every way. We're just getting better and better and better. But no, that that within um, within the the within even Jesus's genealogy is uh is this shape to history is this notion of providence um that that life and existence isn't meaningless and that the way historical events are unfolding um, is actually meaningful and they're moving all to this point and this is a central claim and a very bold claim that the Christian faith faith makes right here in the genealogy that all of this everything that God was doing was leading up to um, this person Jesus Christ this baby who we're about to learn about uh, being born uh, to a virgin and so uh, uh like a very bold, striking, right, bam, in your face claim right there in this genealogy with these fourteen generations. So people reading this would this would not have been lost on anyone reading this thing, no. especially given his audience and who he was writing for. No, it would have been like, okay, yeah, like here's the great patriarchal generations, and so we have this rise up to David, and then we have David, and oh yeah, we have this just terrible, wretched fall from um, this king who was supposed to be a king, you know, after God's own heart, and and then his family after his son Solomon, you know, his kingdom divides, and things just deteriorate to the point of this exile, so you reach this absolute nadir in kind of uh, national religious life is like, we are in exile, we are a people who, uh, you know, supposed to be a chosen people with a promised land, well, what happened to all that? And then, and then Matthew was telling the story. We go, well, we go from the depths of the deportation. Here's this return, and this return is bringing us all to this place, which people are hoping for, this restoration. And who's this restorative figure? It's this one. It's, it's this Jesus who's about to be born. And so, yeah, it would not have been lost on, on his audience that history has a shape and contour, especially redemptive history has a shape and a contour, and it's leading all to this person. So Israel's history is, is leading there, and Christians, Christians claim, too, um, that, that not just the, the history of Israel, but the history of uh, humankind is, is all reach, reaching um, its zenith, its focal point here in this person. But now I've, I've heard your—I'll um, say his name, but then you'll know what I'm saying—like a Bill Maher type says, but that's not—that isn't how the generations worked 
It wasn't a, his math is off. Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on. He made some huge blunders. What what say you to that? Well, I just say that Matthew was he was making a point. So his point was to make this broader theological point. So these are all you know generations that are he was he was skipping or leaving out, and actually some of the alterations uh, within the genealogy themselves are really really interesting. What he's doing there with the names and stuff and stuff like that, and so Matthew. Um, you know, is a is a is a is a careful uh, author, and so I think that's really you know missing the point. Matthew's point was not let's give an exhaustive list of every single you know uh, every single person in the line of Jesus. It's to say no, like these are his ancestors, so he fits the bill in terms of the basic criteria for a Messiah. You know, is going to be mm-hmm. from the house and line of David, but and also going to be uh, a child of Abraham. Uh, you know, he he fits those basic criteria. But more than just fitting those criteria, he fits within this overarching uh, narrative flow, and so that's what Ma- that's what Matthew is doing with that, not providing an exhaustive list. That's 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 to me is a, comp- a, a example of just completely missing the point. And that's not saying that Matthew is making this up; it's just that he's crafting these this genealogy in such a way as to make this bigger point um, that he's making. Right. So he's telling a specific story with it. He didn't blunder accidentally. Like, uh, you know. Yeah. Whoops. And so, uh, yeah, so we have these, you know, three, this, this, these, these, these three groupings of 14 generations. We also have uh, 39 begats in there, if we were to go in. Wow. Yeah, 39 begats, which is one less than this, of course, very significant biblical number of 40. Mm-hmm. You know, 40 days and, and 40 nights, and even Jesus, when he goes into the wilderness, he's tempted for 40 days. And so you go, oh man, like if you're counting, there's this, you would expect this 40th begat to be there when you get Joseph begat Jesus, but... That's not what it says. It says, you know, and it talks about Joseph, and then it says, uh, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, so J- Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. So there's no begat there. And so already we're getting a clue right in there mm-hmm. that there's something really, 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 this missing begat is telling us that there's something really, 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 really special, unique, unprecedented about this person, you know, the story we're about to hear about, you know about this person. And the people would have known that? Well, they would have gone, they would have noticed that you're, because they would have heard this repetition, as you heard me, you know, this re- repetitive narrative formula of an X begat Y and Y begat Z, you know, um, they would have noticed this break within the pattern of the language itself. I mean, it's obvious right. as you're reading out loud, because it just so breaks the form, that it would heighten your sense of expectation. Oh, tell me more about this person, you know? Mm-hmm. So within this list of names that um, the fir- you know that e- the initial audience would have been more or less familiar with many of, uh, of of these figures, but even the last bit I think would have been more obscure. Uh, you hear this kind of rhythmical pattern and reading of these names, and when that pattern gets broken, something really really interesting is happening. It's it's heightening your expectation, the tension, and it moves the narrative forward. So Matthew is already saying within this boring quote unquote genealogy. Oh, pay attention to this person who comes here right at the end. Look. Look at this pattern that's being broken. What is happening there? Hmm. I, uh, I heard an interesting thing once. This uh, is related, but uh, somebody who was doing um, Bible translations brought to a small people group, and were trying to make adjustments to see what their comprehension of this was, and they got to the genealogy. Uh, they were reading the rest of it. It was kind of like, ah. Eh. They got to the genealogy like, Tell me more of this stuff. <laughs> that was their favorite part, and he said because that was so built into their own culture. Like, 
oh, and what does this mean? Like, who is this person? He's like, wow, no one's ever asked me this one before. So, yeah, he, they were right with you. This is interesting stuff. Oh, yeah. The, and I, I think that is culturally specific. I mean, to a, to a, you know, a Jewish audience trying to tracing, you know, one's heritage and one's ancestors at that time was very, very important. I mean, that had to do with if you were in a priestly family, you know, or do you come from this ironic, the line of Aaron's, you know, like in order to qualify for that, you had to, in terms of your bloodlines, like be able to trace that. So genealogies are very, very important. They're still important in, I mean, they're still interesting to people today, certainly. Like Ancestry.com, 23andMe, right? Like all Mm -hmm. of these genetic testing things, it's like, we're very, very interested in our origins and where we came from. And um, I mean, they're hugely contentious too, if you think of membership in like Native American tribes, which can have huge Mm -hmm. implications for... um, I mean, uh, the context where you hear a lot is like in terms of revenues, you know, that tribes receive, like who gets to belong and how do you trace who's a part of that? It's genealogies are, uh, I mean, this list to us is strange, but, but the, the notion of where do we come from? Who are we connected to? And what does that say about us is still, um, I mean, it's still really, really fascinating. Well, has, has always been pointed out with, um, people who believe that they're reincarnated, um, the joke is, why Why is nobody ever just reincarnated from a milkmaid or something? It's always, you know, Louis the 14th oh, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, <laughs> like past, I'm, I have past memories. I was, you know, I, I was uh, one of like the Roy, you know, the czar's children or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's never just, yeah, I was just a schlub. I worked on the Great <laughs> Wall and I died. <laughs> nope. So yeah, people are fascinated by it. Oh, yeah, this connection to the past. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, this would have uh, drawn Matthew's uh, audience in. And then there's all of these interesting names that occur in the genealogy, because this was a, you know, a patrilineal line that we see coming from Jesus's male, uh, male ancestors. And then we have all of these women's names who are appearing in there. What's going on oh, there? Oh, man, there's, there's a lot going on with there. I mean, and these are not just like, if you were talking about sort of the great matriarchs, of the, the, the Jewish people, you know, you have Abram and Sarah and Rebecca and Leah and Rachel. I mean, these are the, and even, you know, this is from Moses' family, but if you're mentioning great Old Testament women, I mean, there's Miriam, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's Deborah, who was a judge. I mean, these are like the great, uh, you know, Hall of Fame uh, women in, in, in the Old Testament. And, and what we get is we get, uh, so we get, you know, Tamar, who was, uh, she was a Canaanite. So there she's, you know, she's not an Israelite. Yeah. She's Canaanite. Canaanites were not popular uh, in, 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 right. they don't come off great always in the biblical <laughs> no. story at all. And Tamar was married to this, uh, two sons, the different sons of Judah, and they both died. And then one of them was the, you know, infamous story of Onan, if you, uh, if you yes. know that. And Onan is, Onanism, but, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, so Onan dies, and, uh, because it's, uh, uh, do I am I pronouncing it wrong? Levirate. Oh, I don't know. Marriage. I don't know. Levirate. I. I don't know. What it's is embarrassing. the word? What is what does it mean? It's the one where you you know like if your husband dies, you marry the next brother or whatever. Oh, okay. In order yeah. to produce an heir. Yeah. And that was the law. The Old Testament law was uh, levirate. I'm just going to say levirate marriage. That you'd be mar- you know you'd be married to you know your if you you yeah. your husband had a brother or the nearest male kin. Um, there was an expectation that that you would produce a male heir through that person, right. yeah. and so uh, Judah did not want to have Tamar. He was he was not having any of that to give uh, 
give her in marriage to his youngest son. And so she played the prostitute, tricked him. Uh, she wore a veil and then pretended to be a prostitute. Um, he went and slept with her. She got pregnant by her father-in-law. He finds out. He's like, oh, this is a scandal. She's done this. I'm going to kill her. But he, she had tricked him into giving her uh, like these, you know, like a a seal or a staff or something that showed like he was the one who did this. And she's like, he's like, wow, you got me. <laughs> you got me. You got me. And so here is this woman who plays the prostitute in order to trick her father-in-law into impregnating her with a child. She's right she's there right in there the genealogy. Wow. Oh, who, who else is in there? Rahab. I mean, she was famous for sheltering these uh, Hebrew spies who went into Jericho uh, bef- before the wall t- came a tumbling down, tumbling down. a tumbling down, and then she helped him escape, and she tied, you know, the the red uh, the red uh, uh, ribbon uh, as a sign. Don't hey, when Jericho is being sacked and destroyed, you know, spare me and my people who are with me. And so here, you know, and she eventually uh, marries uh, an Israelite and has a child who is in Jesus's line. So we got, you know, and also not an Israelite. So another non-Israelite and another. You know, kind of scandalous. I mean, she was a prostitute, and this is kind of a, you know, mm-hmm. it might be the oldest profession, but it's also one that, you know, has often been held in lower regard, you know, for obvious reasons, I yeah. think, you know. And so here's another prostitute in Jesus's line. Uh, we, we, we've got Ruth. She was a Moabite, a Moabitess, to mm-hmm. say it in the old language. And the Moabites hated me. Israelites hated Moabites. You were banned. From the sanctuary for you know ten generations, if you were uh, from a Moabite uh, family wow. and lineage. Oh yeah, I mean Moabites were really big. They were just enemies. They were enemies of the ancient Israelites. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were they were sworn enemies. And so this Moabitess Ruth, you know, she's married to an Israelite, and and, and her husband dies, and her father in law dies, and Naomi is going back. That's her mother in law. She's going back to Israel. She says, "Go stay in Moab. Stay with your people. You have no life." And Ruth says, no, 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 no. Where you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God, and I'm going to stay with you. And so here, and then she goes back, and and uh, this famous story on the threshing room floor, she goes to Boaz, this character Boaz, who's a really, you know, a noble figure in the book of Ruth, which is a short book of the Bible, if you want to read a book of the Bible. That is a good one. Read the book of Ruth. I mean, it's four chapters. It's a good story, yeah. It's a really good story. It's a very touching story, Mm -hmm. Um, a very human story about, you know, this... A tragedy, you know, right away and sticking together and someone doing the right thing and, you know, people making a way, God making a way for them. I mean, it's this beautiful story. And and so here is this, you know, Moabite woman who is right there, the grandmother of King David, right there in Jesus's line. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, the wife of Uriah, it said, who is, we know her as Bathsheba, the one who King David famously saw bathing when everyone else was out fighting the battle, he saw her bathing on the roof. He sent for her, you know, uh, yada, yada, yada. She gets pregnant, and then he, has to, he tries to get her husband to sleep with her. Uriah, he won't. So he sends him back out to the battle lines and basically says, send him to the thick of the fight and pull back the troops and let this guy die. And then he marries her. And so it's like this, you know, her son Solomon is the product of an adulterous affair. So it's like all of these women come from... Uh, uh, these really colorful, difficult circumstances, and they're right there. Colorful, colorful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Colorful, and so I think it tells us something about you know. Um, I mean, these are births in really difficult, unexpected, even scandalous circumstances. So that tells us something about the story of Jesus's birth that's going to happen right after this with Joseph. 
being betrothed to Mary, and mm-hmm. he tries, you know, he's going to do the right thing and divorce her quietly or set her aside quietly, but no, no, no. We see in this line even uh, that God works through these kind of births that come through very, you know, scandalous circumstances, and um, and Matthew doesn't shy away from that. And, and I think it also speaks to the fact Luther said that, you know, Jesus is not uh, the kind of person who's ashamed of sinners to be in the company of sinners. I mean, he even includes them in his family tree, and not just these women as examples of quote-unquote sinners, but there's a lot of nasty kings and bad, evil kings who make it into this line, too. I mean, Manasseh, who's in the list, there's nothing good said about him. He's the most wicked Old Testament king that they say, and he had like a 50-year reign, and, and there's nothing good said about him in the Bible, but right here he is in Jesus's family line. And so, and I think when you look at Jesus and what he did and Christianity has done for the role and status of women in this world, you know, di- giving them dignity, um, and, uh, and really, you know, in Christ, no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, you know, this radical equality in the gospel, we see it right there in this genealogy. So, I mean, this is this, you know, exciting hint into what Jesus is going to come uh, and do, um, too, and the kind of circumstances he emerges from and the kind of people he came to save. You know, evil, even people from a notor- notorious background are in his lineage, and, and, um, and, and so any of us who comes from, you know, colorful circumstances which is all of us, mm-hmm. and, and broken circumstances and sinful circumstances, that's all of us. Like, Jesus, is, that's not a scandal for, for Jesus. That's part, of, um, that's part of who belongs to him and who he has come to redeem and save. He's going to go eat with tax collectors, man. Heck yeah. yeah. So it's all, like, it's all, all of this, like, is hinted at right there in this genealogy. And so this isn't just a boring list of names. This is a picture into who Jesus is and the kind of work that he's coming to do. And so um, instead of being boring, it, it open, when we understand it, it opens uh, the world of, of this gospel to us uh, right, from the, right from the get-go, right from the word jump. And so I just want to commend it to people. Don't stop reading. If something seems boring or confusing or what's going on with that, um, instead of skipping over it or putting it to a side... Jump in with both Jump feet, because yeah. you you will be rewarded handsomely for doing so. That's great. And what would be your second book that... I, I would nominate uh, Job. Would you nominate Ruth, or do you have another... Oh, if I were to say, like, read a book of the Bible? Yeah, like, oh. just jump into something. Like I think, you know, I think Job is really... I think this Job is fascinating. Some of the speeches are windy you know they if do I, go on they do go on it starts with a bang and oh, then, then you got to have a little more patience but it's you still do. a great story. i mean it's amazing it's amazing i think jonah if you're talking mm-hmm. about like that's just an amazing amazing story is the story of jonah jonah ruth those are both really good you know short ones that you can take on um in the old testament that are uh, of a real readable uh, uh, uh variety um you know, so I, I commend I commend those as short ones. I commend, uh, you know, I mean, Paul's letters are uh, short. A lot of them, I mean, there's not anything that's super long in the New Testament. I mean, even the Gospels themselves, you can read in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and so uh, I, I would just recommend, too, if, if you find yourself getting stuck or lost, a really good resource that I use a lot, and this is for, it's a great devotional resource, but it's... It, it's just super smart as well as this For Everyone series by N.T. or Tom Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, um, who's a New Testament scholar, but he was also a, 
an Anglican bishop. He's just a. It's they're short. They're really um, beautiful, wonderful little analogies and stories to help illustrate the text. And you know, they he gives you a really good understanding as you're reading through the text itself. So I commend. I commend those to the audience as well. Yeah, you can do this, people. And if you don't read a book of the Bible, we're going to ask that you read Moby Dick, where he um, he does the the sermon on Jonah and the uh, no, he does it on Job, I believe. Or no, it is on Jonah. Okay, there's a great sermon in Moby Dick where he just wanders into this church during a storm. Our main character, oh yeah, Ishmael. Or at least I'm going to call him Ishmael, <laughs> uh, and he. He just sits and an old guy like mounts this pulpit like he's climbing onto a ship and just gives this fire breathing speech about Jonah and it this whole scene setting everything. It's the best part of the book. Yeah. So yeah, it's a way in. You've it's piqued my in. interest. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. It's it's pretty famous. So there it is. Don't shy away from it. The genealogies are good and rich. That's what I've learned. Yeah. So uh if you if you want to start Right there, start there. Read ahead in Matthew, and uh, and and he gets his genealogy out of the way right away. Luke waits a little bit before getting to his genealogy, uh, but if you if you dive in, I mean, Matthew um, has for for a long time um, within the church's life had a prominent place, not just because it's first in the New Testament, but it's a it's a it's, it's amazing story, um, and and recollection and recounting of Jesus's life. And so start there. It's a great place to start. All right, well, we're going to take a little break. We're going to hear from the pastor, and then when we come back, a special surprise. I think it might be a surprise to both of us, in fact. (laughs) I I just don't remember what is coming up, but you can rest assured we'll all be surprised and delighted together, so stay tuned. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Glad to be with you in the new year. And so our appeal is this. It's simple. If you could rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be quite wonderful. Uh, You can connect with us on social media. There's the Like Trees Walking Facebook page, uh, ltwpod.com or uh, ltwpod um, on uh, Twitter. And uh, and, and those are great ways to connect with us. And um, uh, we so, so appreciate all of your support. And uh, we will keep churning out these episodes uh, for you as long as you are listening. And so let's get back to the show, and I can't wait to have this surprise revealed to me. And we are back in this new year. This is Like Trees Walking. I'm resetting now. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm Dave Bergie. And hey, we promised you a surprise and boy, are we going to deliver. <laughs> I think no one will anticipate this coming. I don't think so either. Uh, so, Dave, you were recently gifted with something, and I couldn't be more excited about this because finally you and I have something to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, um, Mike is a, uh, you're a gastron- gastronome. Uh, very, very, I'm a tyro. I'm an amateur. Okay. But but, uh, but yeah, I pretend towards it. I do like I tinker. I do lots of things. I don't just eat tinned foods and gross meats. And uh, 
and those fish cake hot dogs, which I still commend you. I, I ate those like three days I in got, a row. Those are I, so good. I did, and I got a translation back, by the way. Oh, what what was it? Thank you, a- thank you to Andy, one of our listeners. I almost forgot about this before we did. Was he translating? Uh, because by the way, we do have. We could stop what we were going to talk about right now, and I could go get that squid stuffed with cheese, and that would be. Um, uh, let's let me. But just... I fear for you. I fear for you. Give okay. me the translation. Is he translating the fish cakes? Let's see what he is. Or the uh, those gross squid. He, he it... was translating the um, the cheese squid legs. Yeah. Okay. What are those? Uh, still... it's, it's called cheese squid legs. No. Made with real squid legs. Uses creamy camembert cheese. What? The... But I thought that. And Mike, Mike. The top three ingredients are squid, natural che- natural cheese, processed cheese. Those are the top three ingredients. And it also has sugar, vinegar, egg whites, a sweetener, and some other things. And its best buy date was November 28th. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, then maybe we'll, so, we'll set that aside for uh, when we're feeling a little more dangerous. Uh, so, no. So, so, go on. You're excited because... Oh, yeah. I'm excited because a couple of years ago, I saw Mike... I saw. I went to Mike's house, and he had this bowl with this like kind of curling iron looking thing sticking in it, and a bag of like a, just a bag of some meat or something like that. And I was like, "What? Is, what is happening here?" And Mike talked to me about the wonders of sous vide. Yeah. So I was gifted, and I was gifted a sous vide. Which, if you don't know sous vide, it's like a water cooking method. It's a water oven. Sous vide itself means, um, I think, under pressure. It's because it, under pressure. You know, <laughs> Thank you. Do 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 Yeah, like do it, do do do. But it's not. It doesn't. Yeah. Do 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 do. Yeah. It's not the same thing at all. No. Oh, ditch ditch the zero and get with the hero. Uh, that was on my mind the other day. Uh, <laughs> vanilla ice is catchphrase. It's cold and it's cold as ice. Cold as ice. Um. So yeah. So sous vide. So what have you done? Let's talk sous vide. I'm I'm gonna so, put so a far, Mike, theme song in here. I have done. Nothing. The only thing that's been sous vide at our house is uh, my wife develops film, uh, her what? own film, and so <laughs> this is blasphemy. And so you, and one of the things is controlling the water temperature uh, really tightly. If you get more consistent revol- results in developing film, and so she used the sous vide to develop some film. So it's already been taken away from you. And no, she's we could share it. Well, so you haven't even. Put anything in I water? haven't done anything in water. I just got it a week ago or 10 days ago, Mike. I've done nothing with it because I, I, said, I said to you, hey, Mike, what's one of your favorite recipes? And then you text me, or you messaged me back, oh, you got one? So excited to talk to you about it. And you didn't actually Okay, so we're going, to, we're going to take care of that right now. Please. Uh, take any, any hunk of meat. Take a hank of beef. Just the worst. Here's my recommendation. Find the worst piece of beef in the grocery store. Like the cheapest thing, right? Okay. And just throw it in a bag and put it in that thing and just leave it for days. Days? Days. At 131 degrees. Okay. Maybe 132 to be super safe. And uh, that tough hunk of meat will come out the most meltingly delicious thing you've ever had. How many days days are we talking about? Uh, Two or three. Okay. Can, can you wait that long? That's a long time to wait. Yeah, but it's this, that's how sous vide works. I mean, it's not. I thought it was like six hours or something. Well, you can, but but you don't get the the uh, absolutely delicious results that you do. If you... I uh, my my favorite thing that I ever did. There's going to be a little microphone noise here. Sorry, 
I'm trying to get this adjusted. How's that? Is that better, everyone? Out yeah. There? Um, I took an entire cow heart and I cut that apart. I have cow hearts laying around. What's don't, <laughs> g- don't give me that look. <laughs> From one of your Which ceremonies. Is a very, very large, very large hunk of beef. And uh, you got to kind of cut the ventricles out and everything. Yeah, it's it's that, dirty work. Good idea. Yeah, those little they get kind of rubbery. But uh, went, did that for three days, and then I served it to a squeamish friend. I didn't trick them. I said, "This is cow heart. Try this." And they they said, "I want to eat cow heart every day of my life now. This is delicious. I kid you not." So you take it out of there. You give it a nice sear, and you're good to go. So that's the thing. After you, when, once you pull it out, you give it a sear. Yeah, around right. Yeah, yeah. For most, almost everything. Maybe not fish or. Uh, well, it depends, but yeah, like a white fish, like a real wheat, you wouldn't do that. But you know, it used to drive my my wife crazy because I had a, a tub, I had a large tub in her laundry room where I kept the sous vide, and she'd come in and there would be like some animal just boiling. <laughs> she'd go like, "This can't, st- you can't do this anymore." <laughs> So she bought me, first of all, a pot that you can't see through. You know, this was like just a plastic tub. And then uh, she forced it out of any room that she's in. And then she likes the results, but she will not allow it in a room she has to be in. But what about, like, chicken? Can you make... Oh, you can make the best chicken. Really? On the planet. Oh, take chicken thighs. You know, there's a sale on chicken thighs. Yeah. And you do those babies, and then you chill them a little bit. And then when you sear them in the pan, you mash them flat so they get that crispy skin on them. Yeah. Best chicken you've ever had. I guarantee it. How, how, how would you prepare these chicken thighs? Uh, these, I think you go like 155 or something. Look, I'll, uh, look, I'll send you all the... One send you for all how the long? Days? No, 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 no. That's only for the really, really tough, tough things. Okay. Yeah. That's the, it's not necessary for things that aren't... Yeah. I'm just saying to show you the, the miracle of transforming a terrible, tough piece of meat into a delicious steak that you can fork cut. But it's not like stew with that stringy. Yeah. It's yeah. still like an actual delicious steak. Hunk of meat. Yeah. That so. sounds good. So there you go. That's sous vide talk, which is going to be <laughs> 90% of our show from now on. Well, there'll be a little theology tucked here and there, but, but mostly we'll be talking about. But yeah, you were—I uh, mean, you were the one who introduced hearts. me to sous vide. Sous vide. Did I serve you anything delicious ever? I think you have. Probably. Have. Didn't you sous vide like when we were over here um, a few weeks ago? We had chicken. Remember? Had you sous vide that or no? Uh, probably. Yeah. It was delicious. I mean, it was amazing chicken. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It was that was sous vide. Yeah, that yeah. was. Yeah. So there you go. Could you maybe get some beef going maybe next time before? I have one in there. I got a hank right in there right now. Really? Yeah. You got to show it to me when we get off the Yeah. So. Yeah, folks. So, so folks, talk. get out there and buy a sous vide. They're super sous-vide. affordable, though. I mean, because that was the thing. Oh, they, they used, used to, be, to like, be way over the affordability. Ours was like threshold. 80 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were like $2,500. $2, they were like oh, Scientific man. American, you know, and it's this big metal thing, and you'd put it, and, you know, obviously only restaurants had them. So uh, that was a big a big wave about five years ago, and now. Everybody's got a sous vide, <laughs> but I was doing it before. Yeah, it was you cool, were you were the hipster of sous vides. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Um, uh, we've got assignments for you. Can you recommend a particular brand, or do you just say go on Amazon find a cheap one that's well reviewed? Uh, I have the Chef Steps version, which uh, you have to run. You, it's very small. It's it, so if you have a small 
you know, it, it, it like fits in a drawer. And uh, but it does need an app, and so you can only oh. communicate through it with an app, which I kind of don't like. But we it have works the one fine. with no app. We have a no app. You just it's like just walk wonk. up to it and touch it. And yep. Yeah, that's fine. It's like yeah. Wonkol, or that's the it's some off brand, but Wonkol. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find it in a uh, back of a Chinese restaurant in the garbage or something? Amazon.com. Okay. Well reviewed. All right. So well, at least we know yours can develop film, and we'll see next time whether it, can it has make, that chemically taste a piece of food. Oh, for bags, Mike, do I just use like regular freezer bags? Okay. Yes, and then you know how to get all the air out of them. You just sort of dunk them in water and and squeeze one end until all the air is out, and then you should be good. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Sous vide talk. I'm going to um, stick a theme song in here after the fact. Um, so we'll go out with that music. There'll be some sort of sous vide theme. I can't wait to hear it. All right. So buy sous vide, make a hunk of meat, and read, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Yes. Yeah, that's our <laughs> advice to you. This has been Like Trees Walking. I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm Dave Berge. So long. Bye. All day I face the barren waste without the taste of water. Cool water. All day.